What's up, runners? This week on the Up and Running podcast, I am bringing to the table Tucker. Tucker is a good friend of mine that I trained with, have been coached by, and just enjoy shooting the shit with. Um, Yes, there will be some explicit language on this podcast, so please do not listen to it with any young ears around, but I hope you stay tuned and enjoy. What's up, runners? This is the Personalized Running Doc. I'm a runner rehab specialist, running coach, and competitive distance runner. And throughout the early years of my running career, I was plagued with repetitive injuries and told by many a professional that it was my body's own fault, that my body wasn't built for running. So either I could quit or just live with the pain. I decided to choose option three, dive into the science behind running and training, which is what allowed me to return to running pain-free and continue chasing after my own PRs to this day. And now I'm going to tell you all that I have learned along the way and how I coach my own athletes to do the same. This is the Up and Running Podcast. All right, what's up, Up and Running Podcast? This is your host, Lauren, and I'm coming here with another guest. He is, I mean, used to be my training, one of my training partners back up in Boston when he used to be a Northeastern um, goer, but he has also become a very good friend as well as somebody that I have turned to for coaching as well. Um, I'd like to introduce you guys to Tucker. Um, Tucker, who are you? What's your What's your story? How are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, Lauren. This is going to be going to be a good one. Um, I've had you on my podcast a few times, and uh, so it's nice to come on your podcast now. And um, so, yeah, to answer your question, um, as you mentioned, I, I originally grew up uh, in Connecticut and lived in Massachusetts for some time. Spent thirty years of my life in in the Northeast and, uh, running was a a fairly big part of my life for many of those years. I ran growing up, uh, in high school, I ran track and cross country and in college I did not run competitively, but I ran just to kind of stay in shape and and have fun. I, I went to school in, uh, Beverly, Massachusetts, so right on the water. And so I just would run to the beach a couple times a week and, uh, it was a nice, way to, to get out and move and good for physical and mental health. And, uh, yeah, kind of saw the, the half marathon as a, a cool objective to try. And I, I did that in college and then naturally built up to marathon, ultra marathon, all that kind of thing. And, um, haven't really looked back since. And, um, in the years since I graduated from college, I've, you know, I've trained in many different ways and uh, certainly some ways were better than others. I've learned a lot of lessons the, the hard way. And um, so with all that knowledge and experience, I decided to start coaching. And uh, so I got certified and started off with uh, a few of my friends who were training for fall marathons in in the year uh, 2019. And uh it went really well. They enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And so I decided to, to start doing this as a, as a bit of a side hustle, uh, 2020 rolled around and we all know what happened and, uh, (laughs) you know, other revenue streams dried up for me. And so I decided to launch into trying to make it my full-time thing. And here we are four years later and I'm a full-time running coach. I live in the, 
uh, Denver, Colorado area, and I coach high school track and cross country as well. Uh, I run in-person training groups here in, in Colorado, and I coach people all over the United States and internationally as well. So uh, running has pretty much become uh, my whole life in many ways, <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm very grateful for it. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of a, a little bit of a, I don't know, uh just a, a little picture of what what my life looks like and who I am. I mean, is there really anything better than making your entire life about running? <laughs> I personally don't think so because that's what my life is now too. Working with injured runners, coaching runners, like it's it's a just a great community to be in. And I think that's where like my mindset right now is just like thinking about that and like the community friendships growth that you can create in running like within yourself and with the people around you I think of how many people that I've met and even the opportunities that have come my way because of this sport and like it's incredible like you you never know who you're going to meet in this community and like who you're going to connect with because of just like one singular thing one thing that like you can bond over and like understand the struggle sometimes as well as like the like um, empowerment that it gives you. Yeah. And I think, I think I can speak for you here as well, but I think we're doing ourselves a little bit of a disservice by saying that running is such a huge part of our lives because we are layered and there are many other things that are important to us. But I like what you just said there about how running and the community give us so many other things like the connections, the people, um, you know, all the things that, that kind of come in the package of, of running, um, and movement. I mean, some of the friendships that I've made through running through sport, um, you know, they're the best friendships I have. And doesn't mean that all I do with those friends is running, you know, I'll, I'll go camping with friends. I'll, go to sports games and concerts and hang out and play games and do things that are completely separate from running with those people. But a lot of those friendships did start in sport to some capacity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I know we are, we're definitely like multi multifaceted individuals that like have other lives. So in turn, and like, I think that's also something that I'm really encouraging because I know, again, both of us have gone through a very um, kind of similar, I would say, like progression through maybe our running journeys in terms of the fact that like we both started off as like high school athletes. And then we ran whether like we ran in college, whether competitively or not. And then we continued into like the half marathon marathon space. I have not gone into the ultra space yet, maybe one day, um, but I'm not there yet. Um, but in terms of our training ages, they're very similar. And so I think part of that has given us this wisdom and this knowledge and Yes, running is such like an important thing in our lives, but at the same respect, we both know that it's not everything and that like if we can't do it there for one reason or another, whether it's because of life stressors, scheduling, um, injury, sickness, like we, we have other things that like we can essentially shoot our energy towards and be like, okay, we know at this point that like doing these other things are going to benefit our fitness, are going to benefit our growth and our progression. 
where I know with a lot of the adults that I work with that have, don't have this training age, that don't have this progressional experience from the time that they were a um, high school or middle school athlete, they really struggle with that. They struggle with being able to pivot and like decide like, okay, even though today, like maybe running is not the thing I should be doing, I can go for a a bike ride or I can go for a walk or a hike or go swimming or something else to essentially supplement like my training and things like that. Yeah. You you bring up a good point. I mean, we, we hear about training age and I think people often think that the main thing it, it brings you is maybe more resilience and more durability, you know, having trained more and lifetime mileage and and all those things are are good, but you know, with age comes wisdom, right? And so whether you have been training since you were in high school or maybe you're a 50 year old and you've been training since you were like 30, when you do have more training experience, you do have a little bit more perspective and understanding. And I do feel as though I have a very, a very healthy relationship with running and that hasn't always been the case for me and and I know that's that that's not always the case for others and so helping people get to a place where they have a healthy relationship with running or with movement or with eating I think is mm-hmm. something that I you know pride myself on trying to you know help people get to that point yeah and I mean like Again, uh, I think it's worth bringing up here. Like you've even helped me even recently, like with my mindset around running. And like, I, I can still say like, I'm in a very new place right now with my relationship with running. And like, I don't, I still love it. It is everything to me. I enjoy going for a run. I enjoy the training process. I enjoy the connections that I'm meeting. Like running is still such a huge love of my life and movement that I have a huge passion for, but I have like this really sticky place with like actually racing right now. And part of that is again, both of us have like a clientele that like see us, see us training. And we've talked about in the past, like how that can influence how we feel we should be performing. And then we bring up that should word of like what we should be doing or how we should be like being able to essentially reach a goal. And like, if we're training for something, shouldn't we be able to essentially do this as well? And you said something like really beautiful to me, like in a voice memo. And like, I was like really thankful for that in that moment. Cause like I was, I, we can be hard on ourselves and we can be very like narrow-minded when we're in that kind of like spiral. Um, and I think something again, that I've also learned in my experience in time is that like to give myself the space to like figure that out versus like rushing to move forward and like putting another race on the books. Like I don't have any races booked for the rest of this year. And normally I would have something like, even if it was just for like a 5k or a 10k or something, like I would just have something to, to essentially have my mind towards. And I have nothing right now. And that feels okay. It feels a little weird, but it feels okay. And so I'm trying to figure out this space of like, well, do I want to do it or do I feel like I have to do it? Or like, and what is the thing that I want to do right now with my running? 
Yeah, for sure. It's it can be a little bit of a tricky balance, especially when we we feel the pressure of the outside world of having you know social media following, having clients that you know maybe look up to us to some extent and wanting to impress people. It can add some pressure for sure. And I think for me, uh, the turning point was <clears throat> the Boston Marathon in 2021. I ran it in the October, um, the October running of, of Boston. And uh, you did great. I remember I did, that day. You know, I had a good result, but it was it was not like a very enjoyable experience for me. Um, and Boston was something as a New Englander, as somebody who went to school near Boston, like the Boston Marathon was kind of the first marathon that I was really inspired by. Mm-hmm. And it was it was what drove me to to run my first marathon. You know, I wanted to BQ and it took me eight tries, but I, I got a BQ and finally ran Boston in <clears throat> 2021. And it was Can you repeat that? <laughs> Repeat how many times it it took you? Yeah. Yeah. Eight tries. um, How many years? Seven seven years, six, seven years, something like that. Yeah. It took me a long time. I like, and like, I like to remind people of that because like people think that it happens overnight and like, I am not a good example of this. Literally, the retreat that I hosted was like, (laughs) all of my clients called me out on it that day because I, I ran my first marathon and I like by the skin of my neck qualified for Boston. And like, that's not the the story that most people get. And like, I, I still am like flabbergasted that I was able to do that. And like, I watched the people around me that like, I 100% consider you like a much more accomplished runner than me. And like, it took you so long to be able to achieve that. And like, Personally, from the sidelines, when I saw you on Boston, like you looked strong and you looked confident and like you looked like you were having a great day. But I know that that like I just interrupted, but like that wasn't the story of like what you were building up to that day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm glad you interrupted me because it it is a a good story to tell. Like, I think it, it especially in the social media world, it's easy to think that other people have it easy and other people are, you know, just out there crushing it all the time. And like, yeah, on, on paper, when I say I'm a 233 marathoner, like, yeah, that's pretty darn impressive. But if you looked at the amount of time and effort and disappointments that happened along the way, you know, it, it certainly wasn't always pretty. And Mm -hmm. I mean, my first marathon, I ran in like 3.43 or something like that. Like I've taken 70 minutes off my marathon time. That's and, amazing. And it didn't happen in one go. It happened, you know, gradually over time. So, um, you know, if you're if you're at all doubtful that you can ever do it, I mean, just keep keep showing up and keep putting in the work because it does – it is impressive what you can do over time. I mean, so many people are just barely scratching the surface of their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, back to the, to the Boston story, like, um, you know, the, the last few miles of any marathon are usually 
a bit of a dark place because you're <laughs> you're just you know ready to be done everything hurts and you're you're maybe bonking and Pain so cave. like the last few marathon the last few miles of the Boston Marathon were were not enjoyable for me um I was just I was suffering and there were so many people like yelling and screaming as you like come into actual downtown Boston into like Kenmore Square area and and I just wanted those people to like shut up and close their eyes and not look at me. And so I can't even remember why I started telling this story. <laughs> We've kind of got off on a tangent, but I think why, oh, because perspective, I guess, like the Boston Marathon was supposed to be this like big celebration for me. It was supposed to be the culmination of all this hard work of finally getting to Boston, finally getting to run my dream race. And I got there and it was like, kind of miserable and mm-hmm. the, the like the lead up to the Boston Marathon kind of sucked too and like I was dealing with some like mental health stuff at the time which I'm sure complicated things and maybe made it for a tougher experience than than I would have liked but that was a, a big turning point for me because I I think I just realized that I was kind of doing it to myself I was putting all this pressure on myself. I was the one deciding that like I needed to get X result if I was going to like validate who I am as a coach and as a runner. And, and so that was the last race where I really like put myself in this position. And it's not to say that I, I never feel nerves or I never feel like the pressure or the expectations at a race, but Ever since then, all the races I've done, I've focused way more on on just getting the most out of myself on the day and trusting that whatever whatever the time that is or whatever place that is when I cross the line, I'm I'm still uh, you know I'm still me. I'm still um, you know loved. I'm still a valuable member of society and and an important person for my, uh, in my athletes lives and, you know, all those things. So, um, that has helped me kind of shift my perspective on, on racing a bit and not feel as, as much like my self-worth is like tied to my results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm honestly like just listening to that makes me like feel super inspired. I'm like, oh, maybe I do want to race again. (laughs) Like, because again, like I'm personally, I'm in that space where like, I, I don't know if it's because of just putting pressure on myself and like what I think is the expectation of me. But I think it's also like, I've had some pretty shitty racing experiences. Chrissy, if you want to give like a warning that there's explicit language in this podcast because <laughs> I just swore, um, let people know prior to, but I mean, I like, I, it just sucked at New York marathon last year in terms of like, I had a great time in terms of having fun. As soon as I switched my perspective, like, I don't think I've ever had so much fun in a marathon at the end of a marathon because I was just like, well, it is whatever it is right now because it's 70 or at the end of it, it was like 80 degrees, 75% humidity. Um, But then the following, 
you helped me train for, which was Houston. And I got food poisoning and like that, that was awful. (laughs) That just like was terrible. And I think I then had like a lot of stress that happened in between and covered bridges. Like for me being able to just like finish that day, because you even, you even knew me well enough that you thought I was just going to like kind of walk off the course as soon as I knew that it wasn't going to be my day. And you're like, I'm proud of the fact that you like, you just decided to continue because like, even that for me was a mental breakthrough in those moments of like, Hey, like I did, I did show up. I still ran a half marathon. Like it doesn't matter the time. Like I can still kind of walk away at the end of this training cycle, knowing that like I put in, I put in the work and objectively via a number on a board, I didn't quote unquote get better, but that doesn't mean that this time was wasted in terms of improving like my mental stamina and my mindset and overall just getting stronger for hopefully the next round for hopefully maybe, maybe it takes me another three years to get a PR because my last one was in 2019. Um, But who knows, because it just takes time and you have to kind of trust that process. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned that you've been, you know, you were kind of spoiled by BQing on your first try, right? And yes. so that's a good I'll, way I'll of saying it. Yeah, I'll let you in on on my secret here. Um, IPR, IPR in every marathon I've ran, every single one. I've never taken a step back. I PR in every half marathon I've ever run, and I even PR'd. I guess ever since I really started taking training seriously, which I would say was like kind of 2017, 2018, I've PR'd every distance, every try. And I think that's, you know, mostly because I, um, you know, other than, other than trail stuff, which I don't really count because trails, you know, can be so variable in terms of like elevation gain and technicality and all that. But, um, you know, I, I say that because, you know, I think for one, I never really trained that hard in high school, which like I have a little bit of regret about because like I think I could have been much better if I took it more seriously. But, um, you know, I was never that close to my potential leading up to, you know, when I started actually training. It really, when I was like living in Boston, honestly, was when I really started taking it more seriously. Um, you know, I would I would train for races, but I would I would kind of half-ass it. I would train, but it wasn't really, it was really just to get to race day. And then race day, I would like try hard and I would do my best, but I wasn't really seeing what I could do if I really put my, my heart and soul into it. Um, but I just recently ran a couple of shorter races. I ran a mile on the track and I ran a 5k and both of them, I was slower than what I ran last year. And so it was like the first time in a long, long time where I like wasn't seeing progress on the clock. And it, it is a, can be a tough mental experience to be like, shit, what did I do differently? You know, why, why am I not faster? Am I, am I over the hill? Am I slowing down? You know, and I had to catch myself thinking some of those thoughts and being, being concerned, like, well, what does this mean for my, for the Berlin marathon? Like if I'm not as fast as I was last year, this must mean that I'm not going to run as fast in Berlin as I did in Chicago. And like the thoughts can really start to, to kind of spiral. Um, 
so, you know, I think it's important to just look, take a step back and look at the context and be like, okay, well, why might I have run slower? And mm-hmm. What may have led to this? And also to remind ourselves that even if it is an indication of fitness, you know, for me, I'm reminding myself that I had just run an ultra marathon two weeks before, like that was still in my legs. Mm-hmm. But even if it does mean that my fitness isn't where it was last year, that's okay. Sometimes it does require a step back to take two steps forward. And at some point, we are all going to slow down, right? Time is undefeated. It does happen. We will slow down at some point. You know, for, for some of us, it might be in our late 30s. Others, it might be in our 40s or 50s. But at some point, we are going to stop seeing progress on the clock. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, to be expected. We are aging. And it's harder to, you know, to get the, the same output from our bodies as, as we age. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to, to understand that, but, but also to, to just be okay with the fact that sometimes it does require a, a little bit of a step back performance wise to take that step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, in like, so you've had this trajectory where again, like it took you so long to reach this one goal that like you were grasping for. I had now I say that I qualified on my first try, but what, again, people don't know, or maybe some people might know, but not everybody The years before I decided to do that, I had a terrible relationship with running to the point where I was not running pretty much at all. I was primarily lifting and like, running a little bit here and there doing the occasional like holiday run. Um, but that was because of, again, the relationship that I had built with running and had all of these expectations. So like, if you even look at my trajectory, which is di- uh, very different from yours, I kind of follow that pattern that you were just saying where I saw a lot of progress, had to take a very long break, saw some progress, took another break, saw some progress, but it was, I, again, I last year objectively on a clock, I didn't see any progress, but I do know that like without a doubt in my mind that I was like the fittest that I have ever been. And like, I could have gotten what I was shooting for provided I had the right day. Like it was 100% like a testament and a lesson to me that like, it totally matters the day that you get. And like, all like everything just has to align completely, especially when it's coming to a marathon, um, shorter races, there can be a little bit more flexibility there, but a marathon, like it just has to, everything has to be perfect (laughs) for you to have the day that you want to have and also feel good having that day versus feeling like you're struggling to get there. Um, and yeah, now I'm like, Hmm, maybe I am in that, like, I need a break phase again and needing to take some time. Um, not because again, running feels like, again, I think there's been a, a transition with that in terms of like before when I did have a negative relationship with running, it was running as a whole. Now it's more again, like the, the pressure of racing, the expectations of racing and things like that and deciding what I want to get out of that and how much I want that to influence like again, my decision-making where I can still 
very much enjoy running very much like continue to train, like get into a training cycle just for the sake of a training cycle and like enjoy that. Like that, that gives me a lot of satisfaction right there. So there's like these cyclical things that we have happen in our training that most people don't see like these little micro cycles that happen. Yeah. I mean, think about any, any skill that, that you learn throughout your life, particularly skills that you might learn like as a child, we respond best to positive reinforcement. And so a lot of runners who get into running later in life, they see a lot of positive reinforcement or they get a lot of positive reinforcement from their progress along the way. They're seeing improvement like I did. You know, you're you're improving in your race results. You're improving in your fitness. So you're constantly getting this positive reinforcement. Now, for people like myself who who ran, I had enough of a base that I was able to see that progress. For some people who have never run before in their lives, they are going to have a hard time initially just getting the ball rolling because running can be not a lot of fun when you're starting out. It doesn't feel good. It's hard. And so it's a lot of negative reinforcement. And that I think is why a lot of people don't enjoy running. And then they have this negative relationship with running and, and they kind of, you know, essentially just stop running because they're like, this sucks. I don't enjoy it. It doesn't feel good. So I'm not going to do it. They don't get over that hump to where it's more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And then there's individuals like yourself. And I think that I've seen this, this a lot with, with athletes who ran at a high level, whether it's in high school or collegiately or post-collegiately, for athletes who have run at such a high level, it's it's hard to maintain that. You know, it's it's pretty much inevitable that at some point you're going to take a little bit of a, a step back. Because when you're in college or or you know, high school to some extent, but not really. But everything is dialed in. You know, you have a coach, you're training with teammates, you are, you know, you have maybe access to, um, you know, a staff of athletic trainers and, you know, support staff, and you're going to these highly competitive meets and, you know, everything is more dialed in. And then you, maybe you graduate and you have a real job and, you know, you're, you're doing these other things that take up time and energy and you, have so you don't have as much time and energy to <laughs> devote to, you know, to your training. And so for, for a lot of athletes that train at a high level in college, they inevitably are going to take a little bit of a step back and they're, because they, they were so much closer to their potential in, in an earlier phase of their life, it's harder to see that kind of progress like I saw. Like mm -hmm. I never trained to my potential in high school or college. So I've made a ton of progress as an adult because I was so far away from my potential. You know, I think you were much closer to your potential when, when you were training, you know, in, in high school, college and, and post-collegiately because you're probably training harder and smarter than, than I did. And <laughs> And so your your progression has been more of a roller coaster. There have been more ups and downs. And for athletes who deal with that, it is a tougher mental game to stay engaged, to, to continue to want to go out there and, and put in the miles, to want to go out and race because there are more disappointments mixed in along the way. Like mm -hmm. Boston may not have been an enjoyable experience for me, 
but I still PR'd. I still had a good result. So I haven't had as many of the disappointments along the way. So I think that in some ways that has made my, my journey a little bit easier to not hit some of those valleys along the way and have more of the, the peaks. But, you know, like we talked about earlier, there's certainly no like easy trajectory there. It, it's all tough, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing. If you're looking on social media and you think that someone has it easy, it's not, I assure you, they've, they've got their demons. They've got their bad days. We all do. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is going to happen now for, for you personally, where maybe you are encroaching on your potential? Do you think that you're going to now, yeah, I'm going to turn it back on you. Um, Like, do you think, how do you think that you're going to face maybe the next, like, I'm not going to like put like um, specifics on it, but like the next like five to 10 years of your training, like what, how are you, how are you going to, in theory, work through some of these challenges that you see like athletes like myself and others go through because now, yeah, you are, I don't think either of us have hit our full potential. I think we're too young for that. Like yeah. we see what I, I'm comparing to pros, but like we see what pros are doing and like doing later and later in life. And like, it is possible. Like yeah. if anything, it, it may not be possible to be like them, but it is absolutely possible to still be like crushing the game at your age in your local races or even in like some of the the bigger things um for for people like us and so for you knowing that like okay now that incremental progress is probably going to be a bit slower there may be a few more ups and downs in your objective measurements what do you think that you're going to do to try to like reinforce like hey this is just another another coin in the bucket yeah i mean i I think that's a good question um you know we talked a little before about this and whoever's out there listening to this can probably hear my voice but i my my sexy deep voice here (laughs) um I, i currently have covid so that's fun um so i am six and a half weeks out, less than six and a half, almost exactly six weeks out from the Berlin marathon. And this week has been a a little bit of a, of a challenge mentally to wrap my head around the fact that the goal of going for a sub two thirty in Berlin could be certainly impacted by, by this. So Mm -hmm. I very well may see the first, non PR marathon of my, of my life. And, um, I'm, I'm okay with that. If that happens and obviously this is a little bit of an extenuating circumstance because I know that when I cross the finish line, assuming I can, and I'm healthy enough to do that, that, uh, you know, I will be able to say it's okay. I had COVID six weeks before and that impacted my training and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it gets a lot tougher when you have like a perfect training cycle and you put so much time and energy in and you do everything you possibly can and you're like, I'm fit, I'm ready, your your training shows it, your fitness test shows it, you're like, I am ready to go crush a PR and then you go out there and you don't get it. So I think that's a whole <laughs> lot different 
That was my last year. <laughs> a whole lot different than than what I may face in Berlin. Hopefully I won't, but we'll see. So I think for me, I again might be in a little bit of a different situation because I I have a lot of different interests. And so I have a lot of faith that no matter what, I will find something that motivates me. So if, for example, like I, I stop making progress in road races, then I'll turn to the trails where I have a lot of fun. I really enjoy it. And time and pace are not nearly as much of the focus. It's more about like you against the trails and you just running with the other people out there and the community is awesome. And, you know, it's just, it's more of a, an inner kind of uh, experience and challenge than it is about the clock. So, <laughs> you know, I think that that would be something I would do. I, I also have like this, uh, kind of bucket list item of one day doing an Ironman. So like, who knows, maybe that where it's just purely a new challenge of like trying to complete this task and not trying to compete or PR or anything like that. Um, maybe it would be something completely different. Who knows? Um, I had Michael Wardian on my podcast recently, who's a professional ultra runner. And he talked a lot about, uh, we, we talked in the, in the whole episode about just, having varied interests and doing different things outside of running. I mean, my dad is like huge into pickleball and I've played that with him a few times and like, it's an awesome sport. Like I have a ton of fun <laughs> playing that sport and I have other interests too. And so, you know, I, every, at the beginning of, of every calendar year, I am not really big, like uh resolution guy, but I, I'll just start kind of making a list of things that I want to do in the calendar year how many books I want to read, you know, what I want to do, uh, from a race standpoint, like trips I want to take. And, uh, this year I, I set a goal of, of spending 20 nights camping outside, like just random, random things. So I'm sure there would be, there would be things that would motivate me and things that would excite me if, if, and when I stop making progress. But, you know, that being said, I, if, if like, I stopped making progress in the road marathon. I also don't see myself never running a road marathon again. You know, I think that there is still a lot of value in going out there and, and racing, even if you're not making progress. And I mean, I, I really want to go back to Boston and run it for fun. And yeah, maybe like I'll still run a sub three hour marathon, um, which is a super fast time. That would probably be like my goal but I wouldn't be trying to like go PR, you know, I would go and I would say, all right, I'm just going to dial back a little bit. And I want to like really enjoy the experience and smile and high five and soak it all in. And I'm sure at some point it would still get tough. It's a marathon, you know, it, it's, it's humbling, but I want to do things like that where it's more about the experience and less about the time on the clock. Yeah. I love that. That was like my mindset shift for New York. When like, I was just like, it's not happening today. Um, I was like, this is just a lot of fun. And when, I mean, in, in that day when the weather was perfect for spectators and not for runners, there were so many people out that it was like, it was just a big block party on every single block of New York. 
And there was so much love and so much like excitement. And like, I mean, that's the exact same way that it is in Boston as well um, on the perfect day that there's, there's just going to be, hopefully again, it's a little bit cooler for the running perspective, but, um, that it's just so much, there's so much love and like outpouring and like, I don't know about you, but like, I've personally like gotten emotional in those moments in a marathon, um, seeing just like how excited people are and like how supportive, like those people are that are like standing there and like cheering you on. They have no idea who you are, but like they're, they're giving you all of the energy that they have to, to support you, a stranger that's like just trying to do this goal. And they have no idea in reference, like if this is, if this is you going for a personal record or if this is just you like running for fun, they have no, they have no clue. They just know that you're doing something impressive and like they're there to support you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's probably the closest a lot of us will ever feel to being like a professional athlete, right. It's going through some of those sections. Like for me, I don't think I've ever cried during a marathon, but I, I don't think I'll ever forget the, the, like the rush of emotions I felt when I made the turn onto like first in New York and you like come off the bridge. I think it's first and you like do that little roundabout. Yeah. Thing and then yep. you, you just see this, this straight away and there's so many runners out ahead of you and, and just, you just see this very long, <laughs> very long road, very long road of like thousands of people on the side and thousands of runners ahead of you. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and the rush of emotions I had when I came around and just heard the roar because you come yeah. off the bridge where it's one of the few sections on the course where you don't have any spectators. And then you come off the bridge and you just hear this roar of people and loud. Um, yeah. I mean, it just, it certainly made me feel like a, you know, a professional athlete coming into a stadium where there's just this chaotic sound of, of fans. And it's a, it's a really cool experience. Like you said, it, people, they may not know you, but they know you're doing something freaking cool. Yeah. I love that. So in terms of, again, you mentioned since Boston, and this has kind of just been like the theme of our conversation in terms of like removing pressure and enjoying the the run, enjoying the race, um, enjoying the progress. But if when you decide like you're going to put a race on the books, like are you putting objective goals down anymore? Like do you give yourself like in the back of your mind, like technically I have this time goal or do you just train as if you could hit that and you go into race day and you're like, whatever it'll be, it'll be. And like the goal is to have fun and finish strong type of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think my philosophy with, with myself and with the athletes that I coach is that, you know, pretty much I would say every, in every situation we're going to train, no matter what your goals are, we're going to train in a very similar, if not the same way, because where an athlete is, really dictates what their training is going to look like. You know, I never try to force an athlete into a specific type of training to get them like ready to run a certain time in a certain race. So we're always going to train smart up to, to race day. And so for me, it's the same. It's putting in the training and training on feel primarily and 
trusting that over time, stacking the the training blocks, um, you know, I'm going to have the fitness. And so typically what I do is I will do some sort of fitness test myself uh, in the last few weeks before a big race. And, and that will be what determines what I'm going to shoot for. And even still, you know, I went into Chicago last year with a number in mind of what I thought I could run. And, but I, I also went out and I was like, you know what, my main goal is to have as much fun as I possibly can and push myself and just see what I'm capable of when I'm out there. And, you know, the good thing I haven't raced maybe as much as, as some, but I feel like I have a, a good amount of experience racing that I, I know how it should feel. And so when I'm in a race, I can pretty accurately determine how to like budget my, my effort and energy and, and determine how I should pace. And that hasn't, hasn't always been the case, but, um, you know, I think I I do know that pretty well now. So I trust that, you know, I trust my coach. I trust my training. I, I put in the work as consistently as I can. I train as smart as I can. I recover as smart as I can. And I trust that on race day, it's, it's going to be what it is. And so, yeah, I, I will set some, some goals. I'll have some ideas in mind, um, of, of what I can do, but I also am not married to those, those outcomes. I'm not saying this is definitely what I need to run on, on race day or else, um, you know, Berlin six weeks out, I, I, came out of Chicago last year saying sub two thirty is within reach. And so that is still, that's still the a goal, but I'm also very aware that that's uh, a freaking fast pace that I would have to hold for 26.2 miles. And, and I don't know if my body can do that. And there, there are some doubts there, especially, you know, training at altitude. I'll do tempo intervals that are, you know, supposed to be, you know, supposed to be, harder and faster than marathon effort and I'll do tempo intervals slower than that pace. And so that's, that can be tough mentally to, to be like, man, how am I supposed to hold a faster pace for, for a longer time? But, um, yeah, I, I think just having a little bit of a, of a time goal to, to keep me inspired is, is helpful, but I just mostly trust the training and, and trust that, my training is going to get me to a point where I have the fitness to go out and give it a shot and I'll see on race day what, what, how I feel and, and go from there. How far do you typically look out when you're creating like a training plan or race like plan? Like I know that you keep a relatively like high level of fitness throughout the entire year, but when do you start like actually solidifying like majors are a little bit different, but like other races, like, yes, I'm going to do this type of thing. So for me personally, not for my athletes. Yeah. Yeah. You can tell me both. Yeah. I mean, I always like when my athletes are, are planned out further in advance than I am, but, um, (laughs) you know, that I plan for myself. Um, I mean, when, when I plan out my athletes year, I ideally what, how I encourage them to, to look at things is like, 
figure out what your the most important thing for you is this year. And we're going to prioritize that, you know, one big race that we'd like to do. And then we'll maybe have a second kind of a, a one race, but not, not the, the big one. Um, because we can't always be peaking. That's the reality. So for me, I, uh, I've kind of always been this way, but I, I like planning fairly last minute. Um, I like just jumping into things when I'm inspired to jump into things. And luckily I have a coach who supports me in doing that. So, um, you know, I kind of, I, I don't always do things the most, uh, I guess, um, I guess the, the most ideal way, like I certainly don't like Berlin was the, the a goal, but I had like a long, hard conversation with my coach when there was an opportunity to maybe get into the level 100, which is literally next weekend and would have been five weeks out from, from Berlin because I was, I was also very inspired by Leadville. I mean, that's a race that I really want to do. And so it was tough to decide, do I say yes to Leadville and still do Berlin, but probably have Leadville negatively impact Berlin mm-hmm. or stick with the game plan and, and do the Berlin marathon as the, the top priority for the year. So, you know, um, I feel like I'm kind of a kid in a candy store. Like I will see a new shiny object and want to jump on it and do something, something different. Um, but I think for the most part, I just will, you know, I will, I will pick the, the things that, that are maybe not as, as uh, negatively impactful as a like hundred miler. So like the 5k, I just ran specifically Leadville. Yeah. <laughs> you know just jumping into random things like that mile on the track that i did like things that excite me and are different and you know completely just change the the type of racing and the mental approach um but not negatively impact the the top priority for the year so you know i i think this is the first time in a long time where i kind of do have a little bit of a of a roadmap where I, and I, I wasn't somebody who was like, yeah, I want to run all six marathon majors, but now that I've run the three in the United States and I'm scheduled to run Berlin this year, I feel like I'm so close. I might as well just do it, you know? So, um, plus the other thing that, that I've recently started to enjoy doing is making racing a more of a, of a kind of a trip a vacation type thing. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something that I used to do. I used to be all about like go and race. That is the priority. But like, I am super stoked to go to Berlin and then spend the following week, like drinking beer at, at Oktoberfest. Like <laughs> it's going to be a blast. Um, Just be I've careful. A, yeah. Hydrate, <laughs> use a lot of electrolytes because <laughs> you're going to get drunk a lot faster than oh, yeah. normally. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that'll, that'll last for a while. I'm not going immediately there, so okay, good. Full time to recover, but yeah, I've done a couple of races recently where I've done some like destination races, and and it's been a lot of fun to like check out new cities and and uh, yeah, just make it more of an experience than all about the race. So um, I do have aspirations of running Tokyo in 2025, assuming I do well at Berlin. 
Um, I'm hopeful that I can do that. And then the last one would be London. So um, I kind of have a roadmap of the majors and kind of doing one per year for the next couple of years. I guess that wouldn't be running one in 2024, but run one at the end of 2023 and one at the beginning of 2025 and then maybe London 2026. So mm-hmm. to kind of answer your question, I have a little bit more of a plan now than I have in the past, but, but in the past I was much more spontaneous and I was much more like, oh, I want to run a road marathon. Let's see where one is four or five months from now mm-hmm. and uh, and kind of do that. But um, I'm, I guess I'm learning as I, as I mature into my mid-30s here that, uh, you know, it's it can be beneficial to like plan a little further out and have a little more intention with training. But I, I do think generally I, when I look at a year, I look at the the spring and the fall because those are the the ideal racing months, at least here in the United States. Those are going to be the yeah. cooler months. So picking at least for things where you want to go fast. And so here in Colorado, the summer is a fantastic time for racing on trails. Um, it's a you know it's a good time for you know for doing a lot of cool objectives in the mountains. Which is which is something I really enjoy doing. But if you're trying to run fast, uh, the spring and the, and the fall are yeah. definitely the best times. So I typically will look at those two times of the year and and try to have at least one objective in each of those those seasons to keep me motivated and training consistently. So you know the winter months you're training for that spring objective, and then summer months you can kind of have a little bit of a of a recovery time, do some just fun random things play in the mountains, have some, you know, do some other race distances and maybe try another sport, do whatever you want to do and then start training for, for a fall objective. Yeah. I, it's, it's interesting that you just like put it like that. Cause I was talking to somebody the other day. I don't remember who it was, but I was talking to them about how I look at when to prioritize. We were talking about strength training for runners. Um, and like when to, essentially just don't fight the seasons. Don't fight the the weather. Just go into the gym and lift heavy in the summertime because it's hot and you ideally don't want to be outside for an extended period of time getting super sweaty. At least I don't, I don't enjoy it. Um, or the winter time again, when we don't have a choice, the roads are getting icy. Things are not safe. Like uh, we're getting potentially some, um, snowstorms, like just, essentially shift your focus to something that is going to still build you fitness is going to give you a lot of, um, strength going into, and it's not saying stop running. It's just, again, like, like you said, give that variability, give that option, um, to be able to do that so that in the the spring and the fall, you're able to focus on performance and maybe racing. Um, I mean, I don't fully like disagree with hopping into races when it feels good for you. I, I, a lot of times when I talk with my athletes, sometimes I feel like people are so gun ho, like they get out of a marathon or a race and they're like, that was so great. I want to do it again. And then they put one on the calendar, like a couple months down the line or even six months down the line. And I'm like, hold, hold on. <laughs> we just finished like six months of training. Like maybe let's take a break. Maybe let's take like a, a decompression if you want to train for this and you want to go for this, like absolutely. But maybe let's not just like sign up just yet because like you may 
change your mind and you may realize like, again, how much energy and time, especially with the marathon goes into training. And if you want to continue at that, that's fine. But let's also make sure that like you're reflecting on like what you just did and accomplished and what you can use from that to go into your next training cycle. And again, this may be different for them versus somebody like yourself. They don't have that training age to actually like be able to do that really quick, like reflection. It takes them some time to actually realize like how heavy everything was and how, how demanding uh, a training like that can be. Um, but I think it was Dan from the heartbreakers that like, he helped me get through like a, a mental block where I was actually trigger shy to like, cause I, it was after my first DNF. Um, and I was scared to sign up for my next marathon. And I was like, but I want, I want to do it because I want to qualify for Boston. Again, I wanted to actually race Boston because the first time I just ran it for fun, I was like, this is Boston. Like, I'm just going to have a good time. Um, and it was 2018 and it was terrible, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, um, I, I was scared and he was like, so just start showing up for training, just start incorporating a marathon training cycle without being super rigid to it. And then when you're ready, when you start to feel confident, then pull the trigger on a race. And again, this doesn't necessarily apply to like major marathons and like having to plan those out specifically. But I like, I like that approach of kind of like giving yourself the opportunity to essentially give yourself the confidence in your training to then go for the goal. And maybe that's something that also helps you with you're not thinking about the goals so, so far in advance and like essentially giving you this like anticipation of building up to that point. It's, it only comes when you actually pull the trigger and you're like, okay, but like, I already know, I already know that I have the fitness to do X cause I've been doing everything already up until this point. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to get your take on this. Ooh. I think, and this is probably going to come from like sound like I'm on my high horse here because I think that I am not in either of these camps. I think that most runners either race too much or not enough. What True. do you think? True. Yeah. 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 Like I think there's, there's like there's polar a, opposites. There's yes. people that are like, I'm not really a runner. I don't do races, blah, 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 blah. And like, they're like, I, they don't, they don't want to put themselves out there. And I'm like, yes. like I, I have an athlete right now that's coming to mind and I'm like, she could race, she could race and she could do so well. And I'm like, we could do this. Like, let's try. And she's like, she's scared to go for it. And I'm like, Hey, we're going to respect that. But also I'm going to train you as if you can, because I know that you can. (laughs) And if you decide to make it your goal on that day, then we'll, we'll make it your goal on that day. But we'll, we're just going to show up for the training because you already have this race on the calendar. You're already doing it. Like let's, let's go for it. But she, she's not used to that intensity. And then there's other runners that are constantly racing. Like they don't know how to stop. And it's not, it's not that they have like one a race. Every race is their a race. And they're trying to like PR every single time. And though you said that you've PR'd at every distance that you've ever gone through, you've maybe had one or two major races per year, (laughs) per year, which is why it took you 
seven years to get to where you are and to be able to accomplish that one goal that you had. And then, I mean, years from that continuing, because that was 2019, you said. Yeah. Um, so like that right there, like people, people need to calm down <laughs> when, they, when it comes to racing. I absolutely agree. Like okay. yeah. I, it's not, I don't, I think, I think there's too many options and people get excited and they think that they can just keep building and building and building. And I see this from, again, like a pain management standpoint, when I work with clients that are, that are struggling with pain and like, I'm like, it's just because you're constantly staying in a high state of training. If we decreased your training and we like, again, shifted the focus a little bit to maybe some like more strength training, um, more mobility work, just cross training and keep, keep the running, but not the volume, not the intensity, your body would immediately feel better within like the first month of you doing that. But instead you're running a marathon every two months <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I'm glad you agree. Um, yeah. And I think that it, it can be tough because I think on the, on the one side, the people who don't race enough, there is often a fear, mm -hmm. you know, and I think the, the running community is a beautiful place, but it also can be a very intimidating place. Yes. A lot of people have this imposter syndrome. They don't feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't just don't think that, well, I, I just don't want to, you know, I don't belong in that community. I don't belong racing against all those fast people or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but racing is a skill and I think it's something that certainly can be learned, but even more so, let's just take somebody who maybe has no aspirations of like racing, racing, like not trying to compete for their age group or anything like that. Racing is an opportunity to one, test your fitness and two, it's a great opportunity to like go inward and mm -hmm. see like face those demons i really like you know this is a completely different different sport uh, i don't think anyone's even on her planet but courtney dewalter like her her saying of like go into the pain cave and get her chisel out and dig around mm -hmm. you know and and really just dig for those demons and see what's there you know go to those dark places in the mind and and see what see what you find yeah like you're gonna see some some parts of yourself when you go push yourself in a race that you haven't seen in other places and sure you may be in a workout you can you can get to the pain cave and and you can face some of those those uh demons and those thoughts and all that but racing is going to bring it out more acutely in my opinion i think you're really going to face those those thoughts um more face to face yeah um so, you know, I would encourage everybody to, to give racing a, a shot, even if you don't think that, you know, it's something you're really interested in because it is a good opportunity to, to test yourself. And then on the other side, like you said, there's so many options and I think racing can be a bit addictive, especially if you are somebody that really loves the running community and you're like, oh my gosh, this is Dopamine amazing. High. <laughs> yeah, the runner's high and being, you know, with, with all the other people and like, yeah, races are great go volunteer at a race, go <laughs> hand out water cups, go spectate, like, do something else. Because the, the reality is you can get away with racing a lot. 
and be fine. It like you're not gonna go have to go see Lauren or another PT. Like you can get away with it because if you're just going to like your local 5Ks every weekend, that's fine. But what's the best thing for you overall? If you're training for a big, let's say, road marathon, going out and running your local 5K every weekend is not the best thing for you. You should be going out and doing some long, slow distance, long runs, you know, really developing your aerobic system. Like you shouldn't be going to the well every single Saturday at a local 5K, 10K, like racing all the time. And like you said, the the more extreme examples, the people who are racing like a marathon you know, every other month or even more frequently than that, like that, that's where you're really going to get yourself into some trouble because Mm -hmm. you're just constantly going to be in this fatigued and hyper stressed state that is because it takes a month for your body to fully recover from all the micro damage from a marathon, but yet like, let's keep doing it. (laughs) Maybe this should be a topic for another conversation. (laughs) Thanks for indulging my, uh, my side tangent. Yeah, no. And I I had two thoughts when you were talking about like people like getting comfortable with going into that, like and, and pushing themselves from the side that those that are are kind of fearful of it. One, in a, in the space that I am right now, where my life is like super kind of stressful, or it has been stressful, it's kind of like the stress is like starting to come down and it's I'm, I'm enjoying it, which is why I think my brain is opening up into like, what do I want to do? And like, do I want to put a race on the books? And like, I've started to turn those wheels a little bit more recently. And that's because stress has come down. But I think for those of us out there, this is something like important to realize, like, if you have a lot of like, external stresses outside of running, I can understand 110% why people would not want to then further stress themselves out going to a race. Because that is, that's literally a choice that you're making to make yourself more uncomfortable. And if you are already so uncomfortable because of the levels of stress that you're dealing with in your work life, in your home life, um, in your in your personal life, whatever it may be, putting more stress on your body, even if it's for a finite period of time, may feel just so impossible. And that is completely understandable because your body literally only has a certain capacity to deal with like stress and it doesn't understand the differences between the different types of stresses. It just knows that it's stressed. Um, so I understand from that point, the other side of that though, when you talked about like going in and like finding the pain cave, um, and getting like really comfortable with being uncomfortable this past week or last two weeks, I was at a running camp and the end, um, of the week of each camps, we, run a, a graduation run. The graduation, gra- oh my God, graduation run is essentially, it's varying distance depending upon the the groups because the faster kids run a little bit longer, slower, not so, not as long. But the end is essentially a one and a half mile uphill, 800 feet of elevation in that last mile. It hurts and it sucks. <laughs> and I... I've run this run now three times. And so this past week when I knew it was like the last time that I was going to be able to run it, the first time I had to like actually like help a runner that like needed some attention um, the first week. But the second week I was like, all right, no one's hopefully no one's going to need me and I can just kind of like help support the rest of the high schoolers. And so I ran supporting one group up and then I ran down part of the hill and back up like the last like maybe 400 meters like four or five times 
one loved it. Like I love doing that right now. I love trails. I love Hills. Like give me all of it. Um, but I would essentially any person, any kid that I saw struggling, I was like, I'm going to just go with them. And I was like, all right, come with me, start pumping your arms, start working. And like, I would literally tell them, I'm like, this hill is here to hurt you. It is literally here to tell you that you cannot do this. Are you going to let it win? Are you going to let it tell you that you cannot run up this hill faster? And all of them got like so inspired and they were like, no, I'm not. And they were so like, like me just literally telling them the truth that it's going to hurt, that it's going to (laughs) suck. They were like, okay, yes, I understand that now. And like, I'm not going to let it, I'm not going to let it bother me. I'm not going to let it hurt me and make, make me struggle. I, or I'm going to, I'm going to accept the struggle and kind of push myself further. And I think when you get to the point of understanding that, like understanding that, Hey, this is going to hurt. This is going to be a struggle. I need to accept this discomfort and just work through it and prove that I am strong enough to work this hard, um, that I have the capacity to do hard things. That's what it's like. That's what racing is all about. It's not about the time. It's just about proving that we can do hard things. Absolutely. And the more (laughs) we do hard things, the less hard they seem. I mean, the first marathon I ran was the hardest thing I had done in my entire life. And now it probably doesn't even rank in the top. 20 or 30. Yeah. So it it becomes a lot more normal the more you do it. And then you have to find a new harder thing to do. Yep. It gives you perspective. Well, I just want to thank you so much for this conversation. We definitely have to go down the rabbit hole that we were starting to go down in terms of how many races we should really be putting on a calendar year and that balance there for people. Um, But If people want to find you, if people want to follow you, if you have things that are going on that you want to let people know about, share, share it all right now. Will do. Thank you. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe on my pod, we can go down that rabbit hole a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, that's one place you can, can find me, um, the training with Tucker podcast. I think you've been on mine three times, maybe four I've lost track. We've had a lot of conversations. So, um, but yeah, you've been very generous with your time and I appreciate that. So Train with Tucker podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts, I try to put out an episode once a week. Uh, this week I took a week off due to COVID, but I'll be back next week. And uh, on Instagram, you can find me at Training with Tucker. And uh, also my website is is also Training with Tucker. So um, keeping it simple. Keeping it very simple there. Um, but that's about it. Uh you can follow along on my social media account with, you know, for updates on, on my athletes and, and myself, uh, especially as I build up towards Berlin, I'll, I'll be posting some updates there, but, um, yeah, that's about it. Super exciting. I will make sure that all of those links are below for people to be able to start listening to your podcast, um, follow you on Instagram and the link to your website. So people can kind of read more about what you have to offer, but, I just want to thank you so much again for coming on, um, especially when you're sick Um, and just giving new perspective again and giving a different light to training and goals and how, again, similar progressions can actually, when you dig underneath the surface, like 
what the different stories we have to tell and everybody's going to have a different story. There may be some similarities in those stories, but everybody's story is their own. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me on. I appreciate it. This is the, the most productive thing I've done all week. So <laughs> it makes me feel like less of a, of a slob for, for having a, you know, a, a lazy week in bed, but, um, you know, they, they're all important steps, right? No matter, uh, like even recovering, earlier, even recovering, whether it's just laying in bed and taking a week off from running, it's all important in the, in the long run. Yeah. But that is all for today's episode of the up and running podcast. I hope you enjoyed and had some key takeaways from today's episode. If there are other questions or topics that you are looking for me to dive into, please reach out to me via Instagram and shoot me a DM at the personalized running doc today. I'll talk to you soon.